We've actually got three readings this evening. And the first is Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 to 12. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd, and so has been plundered, and has become food for all the wild animals. And because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. The second reading is from John chapter 10, verse 7 to 15. Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. The third reading is from Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse 25. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseas. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth 
in order to draw disciples away after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. This is God's word. We're in uh, Acts chapter 20. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Our Father, thank you for uh, the gift of your spirit. Uh, thank you that he had uh, these words, caused them to be written down and has uh, preserved them for us. Uh, thank you that your word is uh, living and active and so, Father, we, uh, we cry out and ask that you would help us, that you'd change us, that you'd help us to sit under your word and let you uh, instruct us, encourage us, rebuke us where that is needed. In your name. Amen. It was a lovely scene in the hills above Jerusalem. Uh, the sheep were enjoying good pasture in warm sunshine. And it seemed that absolutely nothing could go wrong. And then one of the sheep said to one of the other sheep. <laughs> this isn't a joke. It's not a sort of... <laughs> he said, uh, hey guys, why do we need shepherds? They're not very glamorous after all. They don't do any tricks. And none of the other animals seem to have shepherds. I mean, the mountain goats don't have shepherds. The lions don't have shepherds. The owls in the air, they don't seem to have shepherds. Why do we need shepherds? One of the other sheep tried to point out that they weren't quite as nimble as goats or as strong as lions or as wise as owls, but none of the other sheep seemed to want to listen. Meanwhile, up in the hills above the paddock, the shepherds were having a similar conversation. Hey guys, why do the, why do the sheep really need shepherds? Maybe they should just grow up like the other animals. And this isn't very glamorous. And let's be honest, they don't seem the most grateful of animals. Let's just relax and leave them to it. And so the sheep and the shepherds went their separate ways. And two weeks later, the shepherds passed by the same field where they'd seen that lovely scene. And the scene was quite different. It was a horrific scene. As far as the eye could see were strewn the carcasses of the sheep with their bodies torn limb from limb and the flies buzzing over the massacre. What had happened? Well, quite simply, the wolves had got in. The wolves had got in because sheep need shepherds. That's the point of what we're looking at this evening. Sheep need shepherds. The Bible, Jesus, Paul, use that imagery. We've seen it in the readings that we've had this evening. To show that God's people need leaders that we had read in Ezekiel 34, makes that quite clear. God says, look, I love you as my people so much. I love you enough that I want to protect you. That's the sort of God that we have. It doesn't just leave us wandering. 
And he says, I'm going to give you leaders. I'm going to give you shepherds to look after you. You need them. Do you see that? It's what God says to us. And we saw last week that there really is no leaderless system. There's really no such thing as a leaderless system. I mean, you can, you can try, can't you? You can try. Uh, you can try the French Revolution. So you can try. Uh, we don't want leaders. Nous ne voulons pas. We don't want leaders. Nous ne voulons pas leaders. We don't want leaders. You can shout, we don't want leaders. We don't want leaders. We don't want leaders as loud as you can. But the people who shout the loudest, we don't want leaders, will become your leaders. And things can be just as bloody. We all have leaders. We all have gurus, role models. And God says to us, look, choose your leaders to do a particular job. And this chapter is all about that particular job, which is to shepherd the flock. That's the job of the leaders, to shepherd the flock. We're going to look at three things. There's an example, there's a charge, and there's a danger. There's an example in chapter 20. Let me read from the start of our passage. Verse 25. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Paul's leaving them. It's an emotional, tearful uh, farewell. He's moving on. He's heading on to Jerusalem. He calls these leaders together for just a short time, but now he's leaving them. But he says to them here, look, I've completed the task that God gave me. I'm, I'm innocent of your blood because I've, I've done what God asked me to do. That, that phrase, I'm innocent of your blood, it's drawing on places like Ezekiel chapter 33, where God said to someone like Ezekiel, look, Ezekiel, you're going to be like a watchman. You're a watchman for my people. It's an obvious job. Ezekiel, you're to stand on the rampart. And when you see danger coming over the hill, you're to say danger is coming over the hill. That's your job. And God said, I'm going to come over the hill in judgment upon my people and you need to warn them. And Ezekiel did. And the people heard the warning. And Ezekiel declared, I'm innocent of your blood because I've done what I was told to do. I've given you the warning that you needed. And Paul's saying that to the people here. He says, I'm innocent of your blood as I move on. Now, how can he say that? How can he be so sure? Well, we're told, verse 27, do you see the logic? Verse 26, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Verse 27, for because I've not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. I'm innocent, says Paul, because I've done my job, which was to teach. That's the example that he gives them. That was my job, was to teach you the whole will of God. Now that doesn't mean that he explained every verse of the Bible to everyone that he saw, you know, up to one person. So um, Deuteronomy 19 verse 1, have you got that? Okay. Deuteronomy 19, verse 1, have you got that? Okay. Deuteronomy verse 19, 1, have you got that? Fine. Okay, let's go. Uh, Deuteronomy 19, verse 2, have you got that? And so, it doesn't, it's not that. It's not saying that he'd done everything. He couldn't have done that with everyone in the province of uh, Asia at that time. But what he's saying is, I'm innocent because I've taken my role of teaching you seriously. 
I've taken my role of teaching you seriously. Uh, He was thorough. He explained the full gospel. That is God's will for us. What God wants us to do in this life. He had explained that clearly, thoroughly to people. Without hiding things that others might have been embarrassed to teach. He'd gone through the whole will of God and taught it clearly for people. So just pause. What is, what is God's will? What is that? What is the whole counsel of God for us? Well, it's, it's this. It's that God made us. God made all of us. That all of us rebel against God. That God's rightly grieved, angry with us for that and will judge us. Paul must have explained something of that as he taught those uh, leaders in Ephesus. But he must have explained as well, we see in the book of Acts in his teaching, that in love God sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross as a substitute for us, as the only means of salvation. That he bore the punishment for our sins in our place on his body when he died on the tree and rose from the grave. And that God's will, the whole will of God for us, is that everyone would repent and believe. We saw that last week. Not by works, but by grace. And live for him in this world, spreading his love. That's the the will of God. And Paul must have explained that from the scriptures again and again to people in all of its depth and richness. And so Paul can say, look, that's the example that I'm leaving to you. That's the job of an elder as I hand that over to you. It's to explain, to teach the whole will of God. See, imagine a doctor. Imagine a doctor who who does the test results for a patient. And he gets the results and he he looks at them. And he realizes that the, the, the results are bad. The results are bad. But he knows as well that there's a course of treatment that can deal with the problem. The doctor knows that. And as he sits in his office, he has a choice. What can he do? Either he can file the results. File the results and not tell the person about the problem and the solution or he can walk into the room and say look there's a problem but there is a solution and Paul says look I had a choice I could have filed the results but I didn't I laid that out before you I didn't hide the things that were awkward for you to hear awkward for me to say no I taught all of that you see Paul's holding up an example and it's of teaching thorough teaching I just think, apply. What does that mean for us here? What does that mean for us here? Just a word for some who are leading and some who are being led. If you're leading, learn from this example. If you're in a position of teaching, learn from this example. Teach thoroughly. Don't hide things away. I say for myself, I, I know. I know as I, as I teach that there are some things that I know people will love to hear. And I know that there are some truths that people don't want to hear. And it would be tempting, is tempting sometimes, for me to just make the decision on the basis of that. But we're not called to make that decision. We're not called to file the results. We're called to teach the whole will of God. If you're leading, if you're teaching, then do that. And that's why, can I say, that's why our main pattern at church here, you maybe have picked this up, our main pattern at church is to teach through books of the Bible. Not to sort of particularly do thematic stuff, although we sometimes do that. 
but to teach through books of the Bible so that we're not sort of in the driving seat, so that we can't just do our own little hobby horses or cut out the things that we don't like. That's why, for example, earlier this year, we talked through the book of Ezekiel. I'm not sure anyone would have chosen to have gone through that weighty book had we not held ourselves to doing that sort of thing. So if you're leading, teach thoroughly. If you're in conversation with someone and you get to that moment and you know that the next sentence that you need to say about the truth of Jesus Christ won't be comfortable for them. What does this say? It says you need to say it. You can't file the results with your friends and family. You do need to tell them the problem and have confidence that there is a solution. Something for those leading. Secondly, something for those being led. And is this desire encourage this sort of example of teaching? Let me give you for an, an example, an, an instance. So imagine this week you've just joined the Knowing God group, uh, one of our home groups here, or a student Knowing God group. And you notice in the first week this. You notice that the leaders, they don't share all of the interests that you share. They don't share the exact same taste in music that you have. You, you like hip-hop and they like reggae. I don't know what it is, but that, that's, you notice that. You notice that they don't share your exact same sense of humor or your dress sense. There, there are differences. And so you're tempted to be a bit like some of those sheep at the start. You think, well, look, they don't do the sort of tricks that I like. And then you start to think, well, why do I need a shepherd? Maybe I don't need someone to lead me through God's word. And so you pull back. And every year some people would do that. And some would just drift away from church altogether. Can I say, are they following this example? Are they following this example? Seeking to lay the whole will of God before you. Are they seeking to encourage you in repentance and faith? Are they seeking to do that? Well, praise God. And feed on the good pasture. So there's the first thing that we see. There's an example that Paul lays out before them of teaching. The second thing is a, is a charge. Verse 28. This is the charge of what he says. Verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock. Be shepherds. That's what Paul says as he eyeballs these leaders and sends them back to Ephesus. That is your job. Shepherd people. Shepherd them. That's what he's saying. Elders, church leaders, are shepherds. We've just seen that they do that by teaching. But they teach not as figureheads, not as resources of information, not as uh, lecturers downloading the things that they love to think about. No, they teach as shepherds, as shepherds who care for the sheep. That's the task, to watch over people, to have responsibility for, to care for individuals. So the task is to know and love people and to bring God's word into the situations that they're facing. That's the job that Paul is giving to these leaders. That's the charge for them. That's why, for example, here at church we... Uh, we appoint every so often new, new elders. We've done that quite recently. Appointed a, another couple of uh, elders. Uh, one for the evening congregation. One for the morning congregation. Some would say, well, why, why, do, we need, why do we need more elders? We've already had a, a few for a while. Well, it's because as we grow as a church, we need elders 
for both the morning congregation and the evening congregation. We used to be just one congregation, now we're two together. And so we, we need more elders who can know people, who can shepherd them, know what's going on in their lives, know how to apply God's word into those situations. That's why we do that. But do you see that the, the charge that Paul lays before these people, it has a weight to it. Did you notice that as he, as he puts the charge before them? It has a weight to it, verse 28. Father, Son, and Spirit are all involved in this. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Or be shepherds of the church of God. Or which he bought, verse 28, with his own blood. In other words, if you're leading, says Paul, you need to know a few things. You need to know, one, number one, you do not own the sheep. You do not own the sheep. They belong to God the Father. Uh, two, you did not decide to lead the sheep. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And thirdly, you cannot decide that the sheep don't matter. You cannot decide the sheep don't matter because, verse 28, they matter very much. Jesus Christ bought them with his own blood. Uh, on the screen here, the, the words of uh, the Anglican ordination service. Um, I had to say them as I was ordained in the Anglican church. But they bring something of the weight of this charge together. In the name of our Lord, we bid you remember the greatness of the trust that is now to be committed to your charge. Remember always with thanksgiving that the treasure now to be entrusted to you is Christ's own flock, bought by the shedding of his blood on the cross. It is to him that you will render account for your stewardship of his people. You cannot bear the weight of your calling in your own strength, but only by the grace and power of God. Pray, therefore, that your heart may daily be enlarged, and your understanding of the scriptures enlightened. Pray earnestly for the gift of the Holy Spirit. See what it says? You, you cannot decide that the sheep don't matter because Jesus Christ bought them with his blood. He left the palace of heaven to be born in a cattle trough. He grew up to be nailed to a cross. And the blood of the eternal word who took on flesh was spilt on the floor of Golgotha to save people because he loved them that much. They are precious beyond measure. They are precious beyond measure to Jesus Christ. And so there is a right fear of negligence given how precious they are. That's what Paul is saying. There's a right fear of negligence given how precious they are. I remember a few um, months ago now, uh, babysitting for um, the child of... Uh, some friends of mine, uh, good friends, and they um, went out for the evening. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I, when I start, when I sort of babysit, I just, I just freeze. I just get tense. I just, I just worry because there's this huge responsibility, isn't it? Looking after this, this little vulnerable child on behalf of your good friends, and you don't want anything to go wrong. And this time, I was, I was sitting downstairs and. And baby was, was crying and crying and crying. And I'd been up and Ned said, um, you know, just, just leave her to cry. It'd be okay, it'd be okay. So I'd left, but I was worried. And so I went downstairs and I was sitting, crying, crying. And then suddenly, the crying stopped. 
slowly, I went up the stairs and I, and I looked into the room and, and I, I got down and the, the crying had stopped suddenly and I was looking down at the baby and I was just trying to work out if, if anything had gone wrong. And, and, and it wasn't clear to me that the, that, that the baby was breathing. It just wasn't clear. I went up as close as I could. I went up as close as I could. And then I just panicked. I just panicked. I thought the baby's not breathing. I couldn't hear anything. And so I picked up the baby in my arms like this, and immediately there was noise again. And I had a, I had a totally different problem for the rest of the evening after, after that. But I can just remember, that as, I was, as I was up there, that the fear... And the fear was the fear of negligence. And, and the thoughts were flashing through my mind. They, they, they'll come back and I just, what will I say to them? What will I say to them that something's happened to the one who is so precious to them? There's a right fear of negligence given how precious that daughter is to her parents. And you see in verse 20, be shepherds of the church of God. Why? Because Jesus Christ bought people with his own blood. Jesus Christ bought people with his own blood. And so Paul says to these shepherds, shepherd the flock. Don't be negligent. Shepherd the flock. Do do what you're told to do. Teach the whole will of God so that they know, so that they're prepared. Now again, What does that mean for us here at church? What does that mean for how we live as a church family in our life together? Again, something if you're leading, something if you're being led. If you're leading, notice. Notice first of all, verse 28, keep watch over yourselves. Keep watch over yourselves first, says Paul. In other words, watch your life and your doctrine. Those are the biblical commands given to leaders. Watch your life and your doctrine, the truths that you're teaching, and the way that you're living. So two questions here to those of us who are leading. Are there areas of sin in your life that are growing at the moment, out of control? We're called to make progress, but are there areas of sin that are growing? Watch yourself, says Paul. Or are there areas of truth that are under attack in your life? Uh, things from the Bible that maybe you hold less strongly than you did months or years ago. Is that the case? And the truth is that these things grow in the dark and you need to tell someone probably and ask them to encourage you and keep you uh, accountable in these areas. Here's Richard Baxter, a 17th century uh, writer, uh, writing about this verse. It's quite a long quote, but let me read it. Have we got the next one? Take heed to yourselves because the tempter will more ply you with his temptations than others. Speaking to leaders. He beareth the greatest malice to those that are engaged to do him the greatest mischief. As he hateth Christ more than any of us because he's the general of the field, the captain of our salvation. So doth he hate the leaders under him. He knows what a rout he may make among them if the leaders fall. Take heed therefore brethren for the enemy hath a special eye on you. You shall have his most subtle insinuations and incessant solicitations and violent assaults. As wise and learned as you are, take heed to yourselves, lest he outwit you. The devil is a greater scholar than you and a a nimbler disputant. 
He can transform himself into an angel of light to deceive you. He'll get within you and trip up your heels before you're aware. He'll play the juggler with you, undiscerned, and cheat you of your faith or innocency. And you shall not know that you've lost it. Nay, he'll make you believe it. it's multiplied or increased when it is lost. You shall not see neither hook nor line, much less the subtle angler himself while he's offering you his bait. And his bait shall be so fitted to your temper and disposition that he'll be sure to find advantages within you and make your own principles and inclination betray you. And whenever he ruineth you, he will make you the instruments of ruin to others. Oh, what a conquest he will think he hath got if he can make a minister lazy and unfaithful, if he can tempt a minister into covetedness or scandal. Paul says, keep watch over yourselves. It's a word to all of us who are in some form of leadership. Keep watch over yourselves. And keep watch over the flock, he says, remembering who bought them and how. And if you're struggling in this area, maybe go back to John 21 or these verses where do you remember Jesus, the risen Jesus, speaking to Peter, who's failed him so many times, looks him in the eye and says, Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. So a word to those being led, a word to those, uh, sorry, a word to those leading, a word to those being led. Do you see the charge here? Can I say, pray for your leaders. Pray for your leaders, remembering the charge of this. They cannot bear the weight of this in your own strength. Pray for those leading your small group at the moment. Can you have them in your regular prayers this year? That they would teach you the whole counsel of God. That they'd pastor everyone and care for them. They cannot bear the weight of that on their own. They need your prayers. Thirdly, here's the danger. Here's the danger. Let's read verse uh, 29. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Paul knew that when he left, wolves would get in. He knew that when he left, wolves would get in. It must must have been galling for him, don't you think? It must have been galling. This church that he had nurtured and seen grow from its infancy, and yet he's saying, when I move on, I know what's going to happen. I know that there'll be a massacre. I know that the wolves will come in. So you need to be on your guard. And and just quickly, we learned three things about um, these wolves, their origin, their tactics, their reason. Their origin, I think each of these is a a surprise. Their origin, do you see verse uh, 29? The wolves will come in and they'll come from among you. They'll come in and they'll come from just within the church. Trusted church members. That's something of their origin it must have been chilling that from this brilliantly taught church would come wolves it's their origin their tactics verse 30 is to distort the truth that's what false teachers do they distort the truth they don't get very far if they come in and say let me tell you some lies they don't do that they don't get very far if they come in and say i'm in a wolf suit and look at me they don't do that they just take the truth and just change it little by little just distorting the truth That's what they do. 
That's their tactics. They twist the truth. Their origin, their tactics. What's their reason? Verse 30, in order to draw away disciples after them. That's it, plain and simple, to draw followers after themselves. It is primarily selfish. Now, I find all of those surprising and chilling. And so presumably, if we find them surprising, that is why Paul says, that's why you need to be on your guard, so that you're not caught out. Because you would be surprised otherwise that they'd come from your midst, that they wouldn't just tell lies, that they'd twist the truth. Paul says it is surprising. That's why you need to be on your guard. Now, why does he add verse 31? Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. I take it presumably he's saying, do you remember how I persevered in this? Do you remember how I kept going in this? And so presumably that is one of the dangers for the elders, that they'd go, well, we've done it for a while. We've done it for a few years. Let's just stop. Let's just relax. Sit back for a while. And Paul says, remember, I just kept doing it. And so Paul would say to us in our different leadership roles, keep doing it. Keep guarding uh, the flock. Because wolves are savage. Wolves are savage. Um, watch, we watch them every so often, don't you? Those nature programs. And, uh, you, you know, usually you're watching, I was watching one recently, this sort of elk, you know, up on the, up on the hills. Um, uh, lovely scene, elk, snowy hills, fantastic. But then the music starts, doesn't it? And then you, you know, you know what's going to happen. You know this isn't just, you know, this is an interesting elk. Let's all watch the elk for a bit. You know there's going to be some drama. And sure enough, off screen left is a pack of wolves. And the camera focuses on them coming through the snow towards this elk. And all of the other elks look around. And then this one is singled out. And the music picks up its pace. And the wolves pick up their pace. And soon enough, they descend on this elk. And it happens very quickly, out of nowhere. And suddenly the throat is cut and the elk is down. Wolves are savage. Wolves are savage. And false teaching is savage. It's not nice. It's not just a sort of interesting, fascinating new theory. Teaching that takes people away from Jesus Christ is savage. Because Jesus Christ is the only saviour who can get us through life, through death and into heaven. And so to take people away from him, to draw people away after yourselves and away from the saviour of the world, that is savage. It's not nice. It takes them to hell. And Paul is saying to these elders, you're responsible for saying that is dangerous or stop it or stay away from that. Paul says, be on your guard. God knows that we need leaders. He cares for us enough to say firmly to us, you need leaders. As we close again, let's ask the same question. What does that mean for us here? And again, something for those leading and something for those being led. If you're leading, be on your guard. Be aware of truths that are under attack. Which doctrines? Is it hell? Is it the uniqueness of Jesus that people are particularly asking questions about in the church family at the moment? To be aware of those sorts of things. Be aware of the books and the internet. Things that people are reading. Train ourselves in these areas. But you know, these were the best trained elders possibly ever. 
Paul had trained them in Ephesus. These were some of the best trained elders ever. And yet Paul was saying to them, don't be complacent. Because it just took a generation in Ephesus probably. We know by Revelation 2 they were being warned. You've lost your first love, repent and believe. And we know after that that the church in Ephesus had sort of disappeared. It just takes a generation. So Paul would say, God says to us, don't be complacent. Be on your guard. And then if you're being led, look, there are wolves out there. There are wolves out there. Don't be naive. There are people who look like they're teaching uh, Christian truths. And yet when you scratch, you realize actually they're not saying that Jesus is the only way to heaven. They're saying, look, you just pick your way. They do it under the guise of the, the Christian establishment. And Paul is saying, be on your guard. Choose your leaders. Choose your leaders carefully. Now look, you might not have the say here on who your leaders are in one sense, but uh, many of us will at one stage move and you will have a choice in who you put yourself under and, and maybe who you put your family under one day. And Paul says you need to choose good leaders. So choose lead. Can I say choose leaders who shepherd you under God's word. Choose leaders who shepherd you under God's word because sheep need shepherds. It may be, I'll just try and close with this. It may be that some of us want the impossible application from this passage. The impossible application is, is one that you kind of want, but the passage won't allow. And it might be this. It's that we want protection from wolves, but we just don't want leaders. Everyone here, you want protection from wolves. But it may be that you want protection from wolves, but you don't want leaders. According to this passage, that's, that's an application God doesn't allow you. It's an impossible application. You say, I want to be independent. You say, I want to be a goat. You say, I want to be an owl. I want to be a lion. But God says, you're a sheep. He says to all of us, we are sheep. I'm a sheep and you are a sheep. But we say, well, I don't want to put myself under leaders who shepherd me under God's word. And so we leave our families, our children, wide open to wolves. And in one generation, Christian heritage just gone, savaged. And so if you hear anything, just hear the next 20 seconds and take it to heart. Because I think it could save your life in the direction of family for generations. In this life, God says, you will always, 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 always need leaders. Can I say that again? <laughs> In case it wasn't clear. You will always, 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 always need leaders who shepherd you in God's word. Always. That won't change until you get to heaven. Because until you get to heaven, you will always be a sheep. And I will always be a sheep. And so we need leaders who will shepherd us in God's word. So choose leaders who shepherd you with God's word. Now you may not like the sound of that. But these shepherds, you see, are only ever under shepherds of the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. We heard about him in John chapter 10. And who wouldn't want a shepherd like Jesus Christ? Who wouldn't want a shepherd like Jesus Christ? He saw us covered in sin and guilt in the clutches of Satan and he fought them off. Everyone else ran away, but he laid down his life on the cross for the sheep. He rose from the grave to beat our last enemy death. He is the captain of our salvation. Who wouldn't want him 
as a shepherd. And if you've never come to him, come to him as your shepherd. So it was a lovely scene at Christchurch Mayfair. The sheep were enjoying good pasture and warm sunshine. And it seemed that nothing could go wrong until one person said, why do we need shepherds? And the elders said, why do the sheep need us? And they went their separate ways. And years later, the shepherds passed by the same church and were greeted by a horrific scene because as far as the eye could see, people's lives were torn apart. What had happened? The wolves had got in. Sheep need shepherds. Be on your guard. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you uh, care enough for us not only to give us the great shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, but to give us uh, under shepherds. Thank you that you're that sort of God who cares for the sheep. And we pray that you would help us to put ourselves under those who uh, teach us your words, teach us all the truths that we need to know about you. And if we're in different positions where we're doing that for others or doing that in our friendships, please would you help us to do that for one another. And we ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen.